This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 155. Show notes for this episode can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 155. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day. Because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Support for the Shameless Mom Academy comes from Kind, makers of healthy and delicious snack bars. To try 10 Kind bars for free, just pay shipping, go to kindsnacks.com slash shameless. That's kind, K-I-N-D, snacks.com slash shameless for full details. Hey, Shameless Moms, I wanted to connect with you about something before we get started today. I have been offering one-on-one -on -one coaching this summer for people who want accountability, people who are going through transitions, people who are looking for some sort of transformation. And it occurred to me, maybe I should tell you all about this before the summer's over. So what this looks like is I'm offering kind of a summer package deal with you by three coaching sessions with me where we meet three times virtually via Skype or Zoom, and you get a three package deal for much cheaper than my normal coaching rates because I was like, oh, it's summer. I'm like, I'm going to give them a good deal and we can like get some stuff done this summer and knock it out. So here's the deal. I'm offering this through the end of August. So just a little bit time left, but you can use these sessions at any time. So you don't have to actually use them in August. So I have people who are booking like they're prepaying for like multiple packages. Like I want to buy four packages of three and use them in the fall. Totally cool. So if you're interested in that, if you're looking for some one-on-one -on -one coaching, you'd like to connect with me on a one-on-one -on -one level with these 30 minute coaching sessions, I would love to get to know you and be able to connect. So go ahead and email me at info at shamelessmom.com and I can send you more info, but just wanted to make sure you knew that this was a time-sensitive offer and also something that I wanted to make sure to just promote a little more widely because it occurred to me, I don't think I told everyone and that seems rude, right? So go ahead and hop over and email me at info at shamelessmom.com if you want to go ahead and book some one-on-one -on -one coaching before this deal expires. All right, thanks. 
And now let's dive into today's episode. Okay, mamas. So I'm going to be real upfront with you. I am nervous about today. Um, I have spent a lot of time trying to think about how I want to talk about the things I want to talk about. I will just let you know that I'm uncomfortable, but I also know that silence is not an option. So we're going to do this. We're going to do this together. You can be uncomfortable with me. I hope that by the end, we're all a little more comfortable, but actually I don't think that comfort is really truly a goal because I think that there's a lot of reasons to be uncomfortable right now. And I think that that's one of the biggest reasons to be speaking. So I'm going to tell you right now, at the beginning of the episode I recorded with Melissa Da Silva on LGBTQQIA, when we talked about what do all these terms mean and how can we be more mindful and intentional in conversations that we're having around people in the LGBT community, how we make them feel welcome in our lives, how are we empowering them, how are we talking to our kids about all this. At the beginning of that episode, I said to Melissa, I'm probably going to say some things wrong in this episode. I'm probably going to potentially even say something offensive or something that just like where other people are going to be like, whoa, did she, what? So I'm just going to say right now, I'm probably going to say some things wrong in this episode. I might say something unintentionally that like rubs people the wrong way, that sounds off color or offensive. Not my intention. I'm trying to be really careful with my words and really intentional with what I'm saying. I've sat down to record this episode multiple times and let myself be distracted by at least 1 million different things. I have gone for probably seven walks with the dog in the last four days thinking like, I just need to think this through a little bit more. I just need to like put my thoughts together. I need to formulate them. I need to like make sure that I have it all in this pretty little package before I get started so that I do this topic justice and so that I make sure that I'm well organized and that I don't say the wrong thing. And at the end of the day, like I'm probably going to still say the wrong thing. So I'm just asking for a little bit of grace and maybe a little bit of advanced forgiveness if I say anything incorrectly. And I also am going to say that I'm recording this on Thursday afternoon, August 17th, and this will go live on Monday. So I don't know what's going to happen in our world between Thursday and Monday because things are happening real fast. And so most of what I'm going to talk about will be true. I think all of it will still be true, but I know that there will also very likely be some more recent developments. So that's my preamble. I wasn't sure where to start with this episode, and I don't know how I'm going to finish, but I know that silence is not an option. Because we have seen over and over again that silence is death, and I will not be an accomplice in that. So that said, I'm going to be super honest. I'm white. I live in an upper middle class neighborhood in an extremely liberal upper middle class city. The majority of the minorities immediately around me are lesbian couples who are white. So my minority exposure is not a lot of black people. It's a lot of middle-aged lesbians who are awesome and lovely. As a funny side note, when we moved into our neighborhood, we were like, oh, we're moving into this like family neighborhood. And we went to meet our immediate neighbors. And three out of the four of our immediate neighbors were lesbian couples of retirement age. And we were like, huh, not what we were expecting. They're all awesome and lovely. But we were just like, hmm, we thought we would be like families with like three and four-year-olds to play with. So my exposure to minority populations has not been exposed to a lot of Black communities because I'm in Seattle where there's not a lot of black people. I mean, we definitely have black people as part of our population, of course, but larger minority populations are other ethnicities and races. So 
that said, I've probably already said things that are wrong. I'm like so overly conscious of my word choice right now. I'm like, wait, did I just use the word ethnicity and race correctly? Because they're not interchangeable. So I might have messed that up already. But we're just going to go with it, knowing that my intentions are good. And again, apologies for anything that I say that's incorrect. Feel free to give me feedback in a kind, graceful way, please. So because of my position as a white woman of privilege, and I've always been in that position, I don't feel qualified to speak on racism. I feel extremely underqualified because I haven't experienced this. So I can speak on my experience as a woman, my experience as a mother, my experience as a fitness professional. I can speak on those things because I've lived them. I haven't experienced racism. So that makes me uncomfortable to speak on it. But like I said, silence is not an option because silence equals death. So I'm speaking on this. I also think that my position as a shameless mom who lives by my own nasty woman manifesto, which I created last November, puts me in a position where I have to speak about this. I don't have the option to sit quietly by because I made a commitment to myself when I sat down and wrote my nasty woman manifesto that I stood for certain things. So if I don't say something right now, I'm not standing by my own manifesto. And that feels pretty crappy to me. So I actually pulled up my manifesto on, I think it was on Tuesday, I was like, I just need to like double check this, make sure that I'm actually like obligated to speaking on this because maybe I can read through this through and be like, it's fine. You don't need to say anything. You can just stay comfortable and talk about like empowering women on the next episode. So I pulled up the manifesto as a little refresher for myself. And here's what I read. This is what I wrote as my own nasty woman manifesto. And I'll link to this episode because I did a whole episode on it. So I'll link to that in the show notes. But this is what I wrote back in November. And this is what I stood by then. And this is definitely what I stand by now. So my personal nasty woman manifesto is stand for women, stand for children, stand up to bullies, take the high road where there is not a path, create one. When you listen, truly hear, share, fight for the underdog, don't back down, work for the greater good, connect, do not fear your enemy, challenge the status quo, empower the powerless, and pay your fair share. So I kind of feel like this is me paying my fair share. If I have been lucky enough to live in a position of privilege my entire life, I have more than enough resources to take a stance on this issue and share it with other people Because I think that that is something that might be helpful to you. And if it's not helpful to you, maybe you could share this episode with other people who you think might find it helpful. Because I feel limited in my power in this situation. And I know I'm not alone in that. And I think that one of the things I can do is speak. I'm not going to go to a march right now because as a mom, that feels really threatening to me. I don't feel like that's a safe place for me to be. So when I went in Washington, D.C., the Women's March, that didn't feel too risky. I was nervous about it for sure, but that didn't feel too risky. Going to a march right now in such a highly charged situation feels too risky for me as a mother. If I didn't have a child, I might feel differently about that. So there's certain things where I know that like there's certain things I'm not going to do right now that just don't feel safe, but also I'm not going to only stay in safe environments. I'm going to push myself to be and stretch myself to be a little bit uncomfortable if I think it's going to contribute to the greater good, if I think I will be able to empower the powerless, if I think I'm fighting for the underdog, if I am not backing down, if I'm taking the high road, if I'm standing up to bullies, if I'm standing for women, if I'm standing for children. So if I'm going to live by my manifesto, I need to speak about this. So that is why I wanted to do an episode talking about what kind of my perspective on what's going on, 
a little bit about what I've learned and also give you all some action steps that you can take moving forward. I don't claim to know everything at all. I've spent a lot of time this week, like looking at different pieces of news, reading different things, watching videos. And I will say it actually has monopolized a lot of my week, partly because I feel like that's my duty as a citizen to understand what's going on because I think this is a really, really important issue. But I also felt extremely responsible to know what I was talking about if I was going to talk on this platform about racism. So I know that in standing by my manifesto and talking about this and talking about silence not being an option because silence equals death, that sounds big. And I think, you know, I actually, on my personal Facebook page, I put up a post earlier this week referencing hashtag silence is not an option, hashtag silence is death. And I was like, is that reactionary? Like, is that too much? And then I was like, you know what? It's not because here's the truth. Silence is death because we have seen, and we know this because we've seen it over and over and over with the loss of the lives of kids like Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown and Tamir Rice, and most recently with the loss of Heather Hare. So we know silence is actually death. Like this is not me overreacting. This is not me like saying too much or pushing the boundaries. Like literally silence equals death. If people don't stand up and say something in a way that is appropriate for them, Silence will continue to equal death because people are dying over this and it's going to get worse before it gets better if there's not a really loud, clear message about where we stand on this as a country and also for you, for your family, in your community, for how you're teaching your children about what's going on, you need to have clear boundaries about what are your values around this. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. 
So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. What are you talking about? How are you talking about it? How are you talking to your kids about it? So I'm in this very fortunate situation that I have a four-year-old that doesn't watch the news. He doesn't know about the president. He doesn't know about this current situation. Like racism does not exist to him. He has a teacher who is partly African-American. One of his close friends in school is partly African-American. And he sees nothing different in them than he does in his other classmates. Like he doesn't see, he has no idea that this is a thing at this time in his life. And I feel fortunate because I don't have to address it with him yet, but I know that there are a lot of parents who are really struggling with this. And so I'm hoping that some of the conversation today can just help you embrace your own thoughts a little bit more, process your own thoughts a little bit more so that as you have these conversations with your kids, it's a little more clear on how to talk about it, what to say, where you stand. I also want to be careful that we understand the pervasiveness of this. And, you know, it would be easy for me to say living where I live and seeing what I see that like racism isn't a thing in Seattle and racism isn't a thing in my son's school and racism isn't a thing in my community. And it would be really easy for me to say that because I don't see it here because I'm an upper middle class white woman. I don't see it here. I'm sure it exists in Seattle. Actually, I know it exists in Seattle. and I'll talk about that in a little bit because I did some research on that, but I know that it exists. I'm not going to turn a blind eye. And I'm not going to assume that it's not in my community. So I think that John Oliver talked about, for those of you who don't follow John Oliver, he had a great episode this week talking about some of these things. But one of the things that he said is that like, it's really easy for you if your community is not specifically impacted by something to be like, oh, well, that's just really far away. And he was specifically talking about North Korea at the time. But I think it applies to the situation as well, where you're like, oh, well, like, that was like, that was over in Charlottesville. So we're good. (laughs) And in reality, You're not, because just because you don't have that situation in your town doesn't mean that the issue doesn't exist. And interesting thing about Charlottesville, I watched the Vice documentary, which I highly recommend. It's all over Facebook. So normally it's only for HBO viewers to watch, but Vice put it out publicly. And I think it's maybe on YouTube. I will link to it actually in the show notes just to make that easy for you guys. So I watched the Vice documentary. It's like this 22 minute documentary on the events in Charlottesville. And What was fascinating to me within the first few minutes of that video, they talked about how far and wide people had come from to support the cause in Charlottesville. The nationalists, the white nationalists that showed up that day came from all over the country. Some of them were from Canada. They came from everywhere. So this wasn't just like a little group in Charlottesville that was like, hey, guys, like, let's go out and do this. No, this was like a large organized movement on an international level. So know that just because you don't feel impact in your immediate community doesn't mean that it doesn't exist in your community and doesn't mean that it's maybe not right in your backyard and really closely linked to you. So I want to talk a little bit about the Vice documentary because I think that will give some perspective for people who don't quite understand the level of what happened. The documentary, I'll say right now, it's shocking. Don't watch it with kids. It's like more than you want to know, but also you need to know. So the In the documentary, it's a young woman, and my gosh, this woman, like, I was terrified for her the whole time I was watching this. Like, just observing her experience as a reporter in this environment was one of the more fascinating parts of this documentary for me. 
the rest of it was basically just disgusting. I wouldn't use the word fascinating. I would use the word disgusting. So she followed along with a group of nationalists throughout that, a little bit prior to the rally the night before and then into the rally of that day last weekend or a week and a half ago now. And so she was with these people and in some really tumultuous situations, really scary situations. And one of the guys that she interviewed, I'm going to use names, by the way, of two different people in this documentary because I'm totally cool with outing these people. I'm totally cool with people knowing who they are because I think they need to be held to a different standard and they need to be held responsible for the kind of hate that they're spreading. So just so you know, like these words, these uh, names that I'm using, like I will say them fully and you are like, by all means, feel free to research these people and like find out more about them and find out if they're connected to people. Like the world, it gets real small real fast when you start looking into this stuff. And people from the rally in Charlottesville have lost their jobs because their employer knew that they were there as nationalists. And so just know that it's powerful for these names and faces to be brought to light. So the interviewer, this young woman, said to one of the nationalists, who definitely was one of the ringleaders in this particular group, of probably 15 or so men in the morning of the rally. So his name is Christopher Cantwell. He's a very proud white nationalist. So she said to him, when did you get into, as you said, the quote unquote racial stuff? And Christopher Cantwell's response was, when the Trayvon Martin case happened and Michael Brown and Tamir Rice and all these different things happen, every single case, it's like some little black a-hole behaving like a savage and gets himself in trouble, shockingly enough. Whatever problems I might have with fellow white people, they generally are not inclined to such behaviors. And, you know, you got to take that into consideration. So this is what this guy says. And he's like super fired up when he says it. He does not abbreviate a-hole, by the way. He makes reference to these children. So by the way, Tamir Rice was 12, Trayvon Martin was 17, and Michael Brown was 18. So he references these kids as savages getting themselves in trouble. Like, no surprise, they got themselves in trouble because that's just what these people do. His tone was horrifying. And as he's talking, everyone around him is like, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, like this was a very much a collective opinion, very much a collective opinion. This wasn't just like, oh, he's like the outspoken guy in the group. Every person she talked to had very similar comments and very similar, like we need to like ethnic cleansing and, you know, bring back like white power. And I mean, it was extremely shocking, the depths of the passion that this group felt. And you see it throughout the entire rally. You know, at first you're like, oh, it's just these 12 or so people. And then you see them go to the rally and you're like, holy cow, this is how hundreds and hundreds of people on this day thought felt. And they talk about very openly in some of the interviewing, they talk very openly about how great it is that they are now supported by and empowered by our president to finally be able to stand up and finally have a voice and finally be able to speak out and really like put boots on the ground to grow their movement. Like this is very much the pervasive line of thought and multiple people reference like now that we have the support of the president, we can do this and this is so great. And they're like real fired up about this. They are so grateful that they are now empowered by this administration, which I think is very key in what's happening right now. So a little bit later, another white nationalist, Matthew Heimbach, H-E-I-M-B-A-C-H, says very proudly, This is the largest nationalist rally in over two decades in the United States. It's incredibly exciting. We're going to continue having a great time and we're going to keep on fighting. Like literally, you guys, this is what he said. I'm laughing right now because I don't even know what to do with that. I don't know what to do when someone's attitude about this situation is that. And this is as people are beating each other in the streets. 
the nationalists that showed up for this event were heavily armed. So the first guy I told you about, Christopher Cantwell, showed up with five guns, two of which were automatic rifles and a pocket knife and upper body armor on himself. So it's not like he's going in like, I just want to like, you know, go say my piece. They were like going in for war. And when he talks about all of his guns and stuff, he's like, well, yeah, I mean, like you got to have like all these guns and like you never know if like you're going to lose one. So you got to make sure you have backup. Like what? (laughs) You might lose your guns in the middle of this mob scene. Like this isn't even a conversation about guns and gun violence, but like all my gun violence flags are like going off as he's saying this. So this is the mentality. This is the attitude. This is how they're showing up, like extremely aggressive, ready to fight. Christopher Cantwell was very blatant about the loss of life at that event. Heather Hare losing her life was her fault because she didn't get out of the way. And he literally said that. I mean, she didn't get out of the way. Like the cars were coming. These people didn't get out of the way. Like, of course they deserve to die. If you don't get out of the way, like that's what happens. Those are exact words, you guys. Like I'm not even paraphrasing. He literally said they should have gotten out of the way. If you watch this video, you will see exactly what happened with the car. You will never be able to unsee it. It's extremely graphic, but I also think it speaks to the power of the situation. And I think it's a metaphor. Watching that car imagery and video clip, it's a metaphor for what's going on. And I really encourage you to take a minute to watch it. I put off watching this video because I knew that it was going to be really impactful and really uncomfortable, but I also knew I had to watch it before I came on here to talk about this. And it was worse than I expected it to be, like, in every way. Hey, Shameless Moms, just wanted to pop in and talk about our sponsor for today's show. Today's sponsor is Kind Bars. So Kind Bars are perfect for heading back to school. If you have kids who like tasty, healthy snacks and you want to know that you are sending them with high-quality ingredients when you throw something in their lunchbox, go to kindsnacks.com shameless and get your first snack pack of 10 Kind Bars for free. All you have to do is pay for shipping. And at that time, you can also join the Kind Snacks Club where you get monthly shipments of Kind Bars delivered to your door. I order boxes of bars for Vinny by like two to three boxes at a time so that I just always have grab and go snacks for him. And also he thinks it's fun. Like I get different flavors so he can like pick different things and I put them all in a drawer where he can open the drawer and pick out his flavor. And I don't have to worry about what kind of ingredients he's getting. Cause I know that all the ingredients are high quality, healthy ingredients coming from non-genetically modified sources. They're gluten-free, which is significant for Vinny. And this is perfect. This is perfect for Vinny because he feels like he's getting a treat. And I know he's getting something nutritious that will actually fuel him for the day. So if you have kids who need snacks and maybe kind of picky eaters, and they like to have something that's kind of sweet and salty and also gives them some good nutrients, Kind Bars are your way to go. Go to Kind snacks.com slash shameless to get your free order of 10 bars. You only have to pay shipping today. And now back to the show. So I decided after watching that, I was like, okay, this is awful. But I still was like, but you know, it's Charlottesville's a long way from Seattle. So I'm safe. I'm good. So I was like, I need to do some research. So I decided to do some research on the black community, children specifically, because I thought that'd be really interesting for you all. So I did some research on percentages of African-American children in Seattle schools and percentages of African-American children in our juvenile justice system. So I will let you know right now that about 16% of Seattle public school kids are black. So Seattle public schools is within King County. 
The county is bigger than the school district for sure. Within King County, 13% of the county's residents are black. So just to line that up, about 13% of King County's residents are black. 16% of Seattle public school kids are black. So that just gives you a sense of like, again, we have a lot of other minorities, not a huge African-American population in Seattle and in our biggest county in the area, which is King County. However, about 50% of youth in detention in the King County system are black, which is a decrease from 59% in 2015. So looking at that disproportion right there, racism is alive and well in Seattle, friends. (laughs) So I was like, oh, hmm, great. (laughs) Like, you know, like it was not easy, but it was one thing to watch Charlottesville. It was a little bit easy to be somewhat dismissive, like not my circus, not my monkeys. And the more I watched and learned, and I'll be honest, it took me about 24 hours to even start reading anything because I was like, this is so bad. Like, I don't want to know how true this is. I just didn't want to know. And then the more I started reading and watching things, I was like, oh, this is really, really bad and really pervasive and really needs to be talked about. And then before I started doing research on my own city and taking it to that point, I started noticing something. And this was really cool, in my opinion. (laughs) So I started noticing, I'm going to preface this with about a year ago, I was at a conference. It was last September. So almost a year ago, I was at a conference, a really cool conference. It was Lewis Howes, who has the School of Greatness podcast. He had an event called the Summit of Greatness. Phenomenal, phenomenal event. I love his podcast as well. So if you're looking for another good podcast, the School of Greatness is a good one. So he had Danielle Laporte speaking. And Danielle Laporte is someone who I really admire. She's an amazing writer. She's someone I follow on social media. She's extremely conscientious in how she shows up in the world and the causes that she supports and all sorts of different things. So she said, and she lives in Canada which is significant because she said last year at the Summit of Greatness, she said, it's really interesting for me to be up in Canada and watching my American friends who have a platform right now and seeing how many of them are choosing not to use it. So just to like kind of cut to the chase of that, what she was referring to is this was pre-election and she was saying, it's really interesting to see all of my friends. So she's really well-known, has a massive following, and she has a lot of friends in the online space who also are very well-known with massive followings, massive platforms. And so what she was saying is that like, there's all these people with these huge followings who are not speaking up right now. They are not standing up. And instead, they are letting our country be at the risk of being run by someone who is unethical and a bully and like all these other things. So she says this at this event and actually people sitting right next to me and I'm like cheering for her like, yes. And it was really one of like the most memorable moments of the event for me. And then at the next break, I was sitting next to some people who I really thought they were fantastic. And they were like, oh, we just kind of wish you didn't make it political. And I was like, yes, she made it political. So that was really interesting. So what's been interesting in the last week is I've been noticing how many people are using their platform finally. So I feel like I've been using my platform as much as I feel is appropriate. I'm not saying I couldn't do more. You can always do more. But I feel like I've taken some risks and used my platform because I have a platform called the Shameless Mom Academy. Like, this is a place to be shameless. This is a place to say what I stand for. This is a place for me to defend what I think is right, what I think is best for the greater good. And this is a place for me to fight for the underdog, empower the powerless, and all those things. So I feel like this is a place where I can do that. What I'm seeing, though, is I'm seeing people with platforms who maybe don't feel like it's quite as appropriate starting to use their platforms. And I'm going to call out a few people who like were the first ones I saw on Sunday, Jill Coleman of Jill Fit. 
I love the stuff that she puts out. It's mostly related to nutrition and exercise and definitely some things along the lines of empowerment as well and mindset. But she sent out this great email that was like, hey guys, just an FYI, like we're going to talk about this for a minute. We're going to talk about racism. Like we're not talking about salads today. We're not talking about how many calories you burned. We're not talking about like how heavy your weights were. Today we're talking about racism. And I was like, amen, sister. So then right after that, I saw the Girls Gone Strong platform, which another fantastic platform. You can follow them on Instagram or Facebook at, at Girls Gone Strong and Moms Gone Strong. And Molly Galbraith, who I'm dying to get on the show at some point, and that will definitely happen. It just hasn't happened yet. But I noticed that she, and then with her two platforms, Girls Gone Strong and Moms Gone Strong, again, same thing. She's like, today we're not talking about like weight loss. We're not talking about like, you know, prenatal workouts and those kinds of things. Like today we're talking about racism. So I started seeing this. I started seeing it with people in the personal development space. I saw Michael Hyatt, who's a highly, highly, highly regarded person in the personal development space and online business space. I saw him standing up and saying, we're going to talk about racism today. And we're pushing pause on everything else. And I saw this happening on all these different people. And what I noticed, and I was like totally cheering for them and like, yes, yes, yes. And what was interesting is I also was noticing exactly who was not saying anything. I noticed who was not saying we're going to push pause. So I was actually really self-conscious when my episode came out on Monday and Wednesday of last week, because things are preloaded and sent to my producer in a certain order. I couldn't change that. I didn't have the time to do that. Also, I wanted to process some of this. I didn't want to like jump in and say something right away because I really needed some time and space to process and kind of collect my thoughts and my words. But I'm noticing who's not saying anything. Like I'm taking notes and I'll be honest, this is kind of what I do. Like when I see people conscientiously choosing to just be like, yeah, that's not really my specialty or that's not really my thing. And like, I get it in some capacities. It's like not on brand or whatever. Like if all you do is sell Facebook ads, like if that's your business, I don't expect you to be like, today we're going to talk about racism instead of talking about how to create the best Facebook ads. So I know that it's not appropriate for everyone, but there is definitely a lot of room in the space of people who serve other people to talk about racism and how racism does not serve other people. And so I want to encourage people who have the capacity and the platforms to take a freaking stand because it's your obligation if you are serving others to make sure that you are looking out for the greater good. I think like if you are truly someone who is in service to others, what greater service could you provide than to stand up and put yourself out there a little bit at a time when things are so, so critical. So that's just my two cents on the issue. I understand that that might not be everyone's perspective, but that's my two cents on the issue. So along the lines of like processing all of this this week and thinking like, what can I do? What do I talk about? How do I talk about it? I really wanted to give you guys something tactical because I've kind of shared my experience. I'm actually going to share one more story in a minute of my experience that really was like a necessary tender moment that Vinny and I had. But I also wanted to make sure I give you something tactical. So I put together a list of things that you all can do because I understand that like you don't have podcasts. Like it doesn't make sense for all of you to go to like your social media platforms and say certain things. I understand that you might have really tenuous relationships within your family about some of these issues and not necessarily because your family's racist in any way, but just like as soon as things get political in your family, they get really charged. And for some weird reason, some people think that like racism is a political thing, which it's not, by the way, like Republicans generally are not racist people. What we're seeing right now is the people who are choosing to not take a stand against racism do happen to be Republican. 
but that does not mean that Republicans are racist. So I want to be clear in my like in the way that I'm presenting that. But I also understand that sometimes when you broach these topics with family, it gets really messy really quickly. So I know that different things are going to be appropriate for different people. And I wanted to give you some really tactical ways to address this in your own life where you can feel like you're making a difference, but also you're feeling safe in doing it. Because I think feeling safe is really important. And like I said, I'm not going to any marches right now. There was a march last weekend in Seattle. There's another march this weekend. And both of them also were known to have nationalist groups coming to the march. And I'm like, I'm not like if it was just a stand up to racism march, that would be one thing. But like when there's a known community of nationalists coming, I'm not going to put myself in the middle of that at this time in my life. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. Not saying that I won't do it down the road because there's a big part of me that would really like to be there, but I don't feel like that's safe or appropriate for me right now as a mother of a four-year-old. So before we talk about things to do, because I do have seven steps for you of varying degree of different ideas that I think might help you. I want to tell you what happened yesterday. Vinny and I, so this would have been on Wednesday morning, Vinny and I went to Trader Joe's and we go to check out and we're not at our normal Trader Joe's because for whatever reason, we had an appointment in a different neighborhood. So we go to a different Trader Joe's and we go to check out and the man at the checkout counter, his name is Q, like as in the letter Q, which I had to ask him for clarification. I was like, no, like what's your real name? After we had this whole exchange, I was like, oh, you've been so awesome. Thank you so much. I was like overly gracious, which I'll talk about in a minute. But I was like, what's your name? He's like Q. And I look at his name tag and it says Q. And I'm like, no, but what's your name? He's like uh, Q. So <laughs> always socially graceful. That's me. <laughs> I can't read his name tag when it has like one letter on it. So we get in line. He pulls up our cart and he's like, he goes right over to Vinny and he like gets down eye level with him. He's like, hey, how old are you? And Vinny's like super shy. Like he looks to me, you tell him how old I am. So I finally get Vinny to tell him that he's four. And he's like, okay, I think you are old enough to like help me with this. 
have you ever scanned any groceries? And he literally, he pulls them behind the counter. He gets our cart, which our cart was like super full, by the way. It was almost $200 worth of stuff at Trader Joe's, which is like, everything at Trader Joe's is kind of cheap. So like, you know, that like, it was a very full cart. So this took a long time, by the way. He takes out like an item. He's like, look at this. He's like, we're going to look for the barcode and then you're going to swipe it across here and you're going to listen for the beep. Okay, like you got it. Okay, so like Q would pull an item out and set it on the counter. Vinny would swipe it across the thing, wait for the beep and then I would take it and put it in the bag. Okay, this went on for like 20 minutes because we had a huge cart full of stuff and Q kept on like prompting him like, nope, do you see where the barcode is? Like, where do you think you need to turn it? Is it on this side? Is it on the other side? Like it was amazing. So significant piece of the story, Q is a black man and at the end of the whole exchange, I'm like trying to not cry the whole time. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like he's being so sweet and so patient. And I'm like, this is how it should be. Like we're just helping each other and we're being patient and kind and loving and sweet and tender. So I'm literally trying not to cry the whole time. And then I'm like, can I take a picture? So I'm like taking a picture, which is up on Instagram. If you want to go see it over at the shameless mom Academy on Instagram. So I take a picture. And then when we get done, I'm like so over the top thankful because in my mind, I'm thinking, here I am struggling all week with content for this episode. And I'm thinking like, what am I going to say? And how am I going to say it? And I'm like, I'm coming from a place of privilege and that feels uncomfortable and blah, blah, blah. And then I'm thinking Q showed up for work today and Q probably has a lot of feelings and emotions about what's going on right now, but he just showed up to work today and he's like, I'm just going to be kind. I'm just going to be patient. I'm going to serve people. I'm going to like be extremely awesome to this little four-year-old boy. And then he gave Vinny like a million stickers. If you shop at Trader Joe's, you know, they give stickers to kids. He gave him like a strip of stickers longer than Vinny's body. So I think we got like 47 stickers. And I was like, oh my gosh, here I am totally stressed out about what I'm going to say on a podcast about racism. And here is a black man being exceptionally humble, helpful, grateful, kind, loving, like all these things to my son. I need to get over my freaking self and just get home and start recording this damn thing. So here we are recording the damn thing. (laughs) So that was just a really precious moment that I needed to have. Like I needed to have this exchange where like I could get outside of my head a little bit with the whole thing. So I wanted to share that with you because it was somewhat pivotal for me in really getting ready to push record on this episode. So things that you can do if you don't know what to do right now, you don't know how to process, you don't know how to move forward, you don't know how to talk to your kids, like you're just at a loss. I'm going to actually post an article that is great. It's at erinbrook.com. That's E-R-Y-N-N brook.com. And it's called White Feelings for Charlottesville. And the title of the article, let me double check on the title of the article, is White Feelings, colon, zero to 60 for Charlottesville. And right under that, it says Charlottesville is an effing mess. So here it is, your zero to 60 speed run through your white feelings to get you on board in no particular order. You guys have to read this. Like it's not a super long read, but every word of it, you're like, yes, yes. And like all these things she says, it's like she's in your head. And then she's like, okay, what are we going to do about it? And she gives you all these action steps. So it's amazing. And I've used some of her action steps or my action steps. But if you want more information, I will link the article in the show notes because it's really well written. It will make you laugh. It will also make you totally check yourself, which I think is super necessary. So I can't say enough great things. I also posted it on my personal Facebook page. If we're Facebook friends, you can see it there. Okay, so my seven things that I've pulled from multiple sources, some of them are from Aaron's article here, but my seven things, first of all, talk about it. Process with your family and those people that are close to you and don't be afraid to question other people. So some of those conversations are gonna be super uncomfortable. Some of them might be volatile. Maybe that's what needs to happen. Like again, silence is not an option because silence is death. So if being volatile in your family is what it takes, 
I think that's better than death. And again, if I'm going to stand for the greater good, if I'm going to fight for the underdog, if I'm going to empower the powerless, getting uncomfortable and sometimes being volatile, like that's maybe just a byproduct. Second thing, post about it. Post on social media. I know that this is not everyone's jam, but the more that we can spread powerful, meaningful, valuable information where we can understand other people's points of view, the more we can be compassionate and empathetic, and the more that we can be collective in our empathy and compassion. So post things and share content that is meaningful and valuable to you in hopes that it will be meaningful and valuable to other people. One of Erin's things in her article was great. If you don't want to have a war on your Facebook page, you can disable comments on any post. So you can just post something and then disable comments in your settings for that post in the upper right-hand corner of that particular post so that people can't comment on it. So you don't have to worry about a few. You don't have to worry about getting into a Facebook battle because we all know no one wins a Facebook war. So if you want to just post and not have comments enabled on your post, do that. That's totally fine. Number three, follow Black Lives Matter pages and other anti-racism groups on social media so that you can keep learning, so that you can see and understand what are other people's perspectives on this? What are other people feeling? What are other people experiencing? That will allow you to put yourself in other people's shoes. Because like I said, white girl in Seattle, like I don't know what people's experiences are, but I'll tell you when I watch that Vice video, when I've been reading articles this week, when I've started to be a learner, an observer, and someone who is like taking in and processing this information, I feel much more equipped to speak on it and I feel much more equipped to take a stand on it. So following Black Lives Matters pages, specifically you can follow Black Lives Matter Charlottesville if you want to go specifically to that page, but I think you can Google Black Lives Matter in all sorts of cities. Next, number four, talk to people of color in your life and ask them how they are doing and how you can be supportive. I think sometimes we're really uncomfortable because we don't know what to do because we've always pretended that like, I don't see any racism and I have black friends. So like, we're all good. Ask your black friends how they're doing. Ask them like, what is this like for them? Because what's interesting, what I'm noticing, and I actually thought about this with the situation with Q at Trader Joe's is I'm feeling like shocked and paralyzed by this because I didn't know it was so deep. But a lot of black people aren't shocked and terrified and horrified in the same way because they knew it was there. This isn't shocking to them. They knew this already existed. They're just like, oh, yeah, now we're just like seeing it a little bit more. Oh, now like some people are coming out and feeling like they're super like hot to trot coming out and being their white nationalist selves. But a lot of black people are not surprised by this because they've already experienced racism on a level where they knew this existed as deep as it does. So talk to people of color in your life and ask them how they're doing, how you can be supportive, what they would like to see white people doing, like embrace your whiteness and be like, I don't even know what to say to you, but also I can't say nothing. Tell me what's going on. How are you feeling? Like, what has this week been like for you? Something along those lines. Number five, take action where it feels safe and appropriate to you. So take action where it feels safe and appropriate, but also don't let safe and appropriate be an excuse to stay comfortable. Stretch yourselves in ways that are a little uncomfortable. So like I said, I'm not going to go to a march right now because that doesn't feel safe and appropriate for me as a mom, but I'm not staying safe and comfortable. I'm staying safe and appropriate. And there's a difference. Number six, donate. There are specific anti-racist funds set up and specific funds for Black Lives Matter, Charlottesville specifically, where you can donate. And those links are in Aaron's article. So if you go to shamelessmom.com and click on episode 155, 
Again, everything I'm mentioning here will be linked there. You can go straight to Aaron's article and you'll see different ways to where you can donate and make a financial contribution. And sometimes a financial contribution is like, that's a starting point. And that's okay. If you're like, I can't speak up about this. Like, I'm an introvert. I'm terrified. I don't know what to say. I don't want to offend, whatever. But like, hey, I'm going to give 500 bucks or 50 bucks or five bucks, whatever. Like, if that's a first step for you and that feels like your bold, brave thing, go do that bold, brave thing. Number seven, let others know that you might say the wrong thing, but you want to learn the right thing. Apologize if you say the wrong thing. Explain where you're coming from. Let people know you want to learn let other people help you understand better. Be really clear that that's what you're trying to do. So that's my seven things for you to do. Thank you for listening to this episode. I'm not sure that anyone was like, yes, we're going to talk about racism today. This is going to be so fun. Like that probably wasn't what you were thinking when you listened. So for those of you who have listened, I really, really, really appreciate you listening. I think this is so important and so critical and so crucial. And so I just want to acknowledge you for taking the time to listen. Taking the time to listen to this is an action step. Taking the time to listen and learn is a huge action step. So don't minimize just listening and learning. That is a first step to taking action. So if you've listened to this today, you've spent 43 minutes with me listening and starting to figure out how you can process, how you can learn, how you can start to take action. So give yourself a little pat on the back for that and now keep moving. Like we don't get to be white and pat ourselves on the back for too long just for learning some things. Now you have to go out and do some things. And by the way, I would love to know, because I know that my listenership is not all white people. So I'm being like, I know I've made a few comments about mostly being white listeners, and I have no idea if that's actually the case. I would love to know if this episode, give me feedback, please, white people, black people, any other colors. I would love feedback on this episode. And like I said, if you have constructive criticism, please keep it constructive because I'm feeling a little sensitive around this already, but be graceful in your feedback. But I would love to know if this was meaningful to you, if there's another topic you want me to follow up with that you think would be interesting or an interview or someone you think should be interviewed and you want to connect me to someone, like, let me know. I'm totally open to that. So I'm open to feedback on all of this. Like, that's my action step is continuing to be open, continuing to put myself out there in uncomfortable ways and like hoping that people will get value out of it and find meaning in it, but also take action from there and help me learn and we can learn together. The other thing is an action step would be sharing this episode. So if this episode has been helpful to you or you think would be helpful to someone else in your life, please do share it and know that the best way for you to share specific episodes, because I love, I've seen people sharing different episodes on Facebook and I love it when you guys share. The best way for you to share episodes, to get a specific link to a specific episode is to go to shamelessmom.com and click on the specific episode. So click on episode 155, you'll get an episode link and then you can share that episode link to social media. If you try to share shamelessmom.com, it's gonna give everyone like my whole entire library of all episodes episodes. Or if you share my iTunes link, it's going to give everyone my whole entire library. So often people will be like, listen to this episode. And then it gives people a library of 150 some episodes. Like, That's not super helpful. So go to shamelessmom.com, click on episode 155, get the link, and then you can share from there. Feel free to tag me if you want me to be involved in the conversation. And you can tag me at Sarah Sutherland Dean or at Shameless Mom Academy. I see all those tags. And again, thank you for being part of this conversation with me. Thank you for learning with me. Thank you for giving me a little bit of grace. I appreciate you being here. And no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were. 
But the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom in Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.